It's time to sit back, relax, and listen to Conversations with Joan. Conversations with Joan will inspire, motivate, and empower you. Live your best life now. Listen, learn, think, and decide. And now, here's your host, Joan Herman. Welcome to Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life's Conversations with Joan. I'm Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in. Conversations with Joan focuses on topics that are important to your life, from health and wellness to professional development to personal well-being. Changemakers join me to share their insights, tips, and strategies so you can thrive and live your best life now. Thank you for taking time for yourself, and thank you for letting us be a part of your life. Now, let's start talking. What propels some individuals to reach extraordinary creative heights in the earliest years of life while others achieve greatness decades later? Today's guest, New York Times bestselling author and acclaimed journalist, Hodia Kalb, investigated the origins of genius. In her book, Spark, How Genius Ignites from Child Prodigies to Late Bloomers, she unravels the relationship between brains, talent, passion, creativity, willpower, and imagination. She's here today to inspire those who are still searching for fulfillment. Welcome, Claudia. Thank you so much for joining us. So glad to be here. Thank you, Joan. So, Claudia, from the research that you've conducted, what is it that propels some individuals to reach extraordinary creative heights in the earliest years of life while others discover their passions decades later? Right. So in the book, I go through sort of the arc of life and discovery from prodigies to midlife um, to late bloomers. And what you have in a prodigy is somebody who shows an early interest in a particular area, let's say music or art, and is really, really um, passionate early on, but also has a parent or a mentor who cultivates that early interest. So, for example, I profile Picasso and Shirley Temple and Yo-Yo Ma. All of them had adults in their lives who really cultivated their interest. Picasso's father was an artist. Yo-Yo Ma's father was a musician. His mother was a singer. Shirley Temple's mother was interested in dance herself and um, enrolled Shirley in dance lessons as a child and nourished her career. So there's sort of a, there has to be an adult involvement because a prodigy is usually starting very young, even as young as three and four years old, and then reaches a level of adult performance by adolescence. That's, that's about the um, best definition you can get of a prodigy, somebody who really ignites early on but is nourished and cultivated to do that and works very hard at it because that early passion is an interest and the person continues to work at it because they like doing it and thus get better at it. Whereas when somebody is more in midlife, let's say 40s or 50s or later life, 60s um, and on, there's a sense of discovery that unravels over life and um, it happens when people discover, for example, Julia Child discovers her first meal in France at 37, and it's one of these moments of absolute joy, um, and she realizes it's something she wants to learn more about. Um, or somebody like Peter Marc Roger, who I write about in Spark, who created Roger's thesaurus. And I think a lot of people don't know that he was a scientist and a doctor for his entire career, and he was really good at it. He had a very, very um, stellar career. And then when he was in his 70s, he turned to what had been a childhood passion, which was a love of words, and he created his thesaurus in his 70s. And that's what he's known for. So it's a real long span um, in the book of individuals in different moments in life. 
Do you believe that genius is genetic or environmental, or is it a combination? Right. I mean, I think it has to be a combination. Genes tend to be um, turned on and off by environmental factors. Parents play a big role. Um, it can be, you know, an issue of where you're born and when you're born. You know, Leonardo da Vinci was born during the Renaissance. He had artistic skill, but it was a timing issue in some ways with with his abilities, and then they were they were um, recognized during that era. Um, so I think you know it's never just genetic. It's just impossible. There are very few genes that only do one thing, and genius is way too complicated. It's multiple, multiple um, genes that have some effect, but then it's also how those genes interact with environment, and also how hard you work at it. Because you can have a genius. Um, mind or talent for something, you know, in some ways shouldn't be put on a pedestal because these are human beings who, who, who have these great achievements. And I think there's some, um, it's, it's kind of nice to know that in a way. And I, I feel like in the book, in Spark, I really try to humanize these individuals because although we know them as celebrities in a way, they're, they're human beings like the rest of us. Are there other things that we need in order to achieve greatness? What has to align in our life for that to happen? I think there, there are elements that have to, to align. I think um, intelligence in some format, and not necessarily a high IQ, but an intelligence for a certain field and an interest, a passion, um, maybe that develops or maybe that um, comes up later in life through curiosity, being very curious and, and open to new experiences. That's a really big one. Um, this is something where you don't keep yourself in a box um, I tell people, sign up for a class you don't want to take because you often find those moments or those sparks in a place that you wouldn't necessarily believe you will find them and sort of determination and, and resilience. And I think those are things that can be cultivated, that people can work on. Um, and, and, and also sometimes as we talked about this idea of, of good fortune, um, you think about Shirley Temple coming on to act during the Great Depression and being this wonderfully energetic and and lively presence that people turn to for good cheer. Um, Bill Gates had profiled the book in Spark. He discovers computers as a teenager at a point where computers are becoming um, just the thing that, that we're all going to have in our lives, and he seizes it as, at a moment um, that, that works um, incredibly well in his life. Um, Alexander Fleming looking desperately for something that can help fix these terrible infections and finding it at the age of 47, um, discovering penicillin in a time when desperately needed the antibiotic and he spurs the revolution. So there's all these, you know, aspects. I think being very observant, asking a lot of questions, um, looking past borders and boundaries that you set for yourself, again, being very open experience. You know, it's interesting, you just mentioned a few people. And and I think, you know, most of us, we have a stereotype of of the type of person we believe is a genius. And and I would think someone like Bill Gates, people would say, Oh, yeah, he's a genius. Do you think that the stereotypes that we have are accurate? And, And what are we lacking in, you know, the way we believe a person would achieve that type of greatness? What are we missing? I think that sometimes, you know, genius is really held up on a pedestal. It's almost like capital letters genius. But I think genius exists in other forms. Um, the way people, you know, sort of act out their lives, let's say in Shirley Temple's life, she started as this incredibly successful child star. 
But then she went on and she talks about these three phases of her life, the child star phase, the motherhood and family phase, the diplomat phase. So I think we, you know, we can think of the word genius in different ways. There's the, there's the high intellectual genius, um, someone like Isaac Newton in physics and the ideas and Einstein um, in physics and those ideas. But then um, there are also the genius moments, I think, and the way of looking at genius more broadly can be helpful because it can make people feel that these, you know, genius ideas are more attainable, um, that there's an element of genius in all of us to some degree, that it's not the same as being Leonardo, but it's our own form of, of genius, something we can strive for. Claudia, from the people that you've met and studied, do these people have particular traits in common? Yes. I mean, I think I could say for sure that there is a kind of a boundless curiosity, um, that there's an imagination, there's a level of resilience. A lot of them had failures or difficult childhood. Sarah Blakely talks about failure as one of the things that really propelled her um, in her life to create and become this entrepreneur, that she went through a lot of early failures. She, she wanted to go to law school, but she didn't do well on the LSAT and other things that just propel her. So that, And that's a common thread in a lot of the lives that people went through struggles. Um, but you don't have to. I think that um, being very, very curious about the world is going to open you to new experiences that then may tell you what um, your passion is. And so I think th- those are some of the elements that, that connect people. Um, this idea of, of being imaginative and creative, embracing um, failure in the way of using it as a lesson to move forward, being observant so that you recognize the you know sort of eureka moment that you are prepared for it, um, that you don't just brush it aside. Um, and so, you know, there's there's other interesting elements. I think about Julia Child, who discovered cooking at, you know, this great meal in France at 37 and then went on to learn to cook. Um, and then she becomes the French chef on TV at age 50, which is really her moment. She, she used her middle-aged qualities to attract her, her fan base. She was honest about who she was and that was what worked for her, and she was goofy and um, funny. And so um, I write about that in Spark, you know, how she used her middle-agedness, attracted these people who had never seen anything like this before and found themselves sort of in her. So I think that's another interesting aspect of, of what connects these, these people is that kind of um, truth in who they are. Well, it is because all of the things that we would assume would be a negative for us we can turn those things around and make them our greatest asset. Yes, for sure. I mean, the other you know, person, one of the other people at the end of profile in Spark is Grandma Moses, who, you know, if you think about her, the negative things in her life, you could say, well, she was, had, a, had a, you know, a difficult early on childhood in terms of just being raised on a farm and working hard on, as a farmer, but also taught her a lot. But then she had five children who died as babies and then five who survived that she um, raised. It was not easy. And yet, you know, she didn't let that draw her down. It was she had a very straightforward and um, very simple approach to understanding life and feeling as if, you know, the fact that these challenges happen is part of life. And when she was, you know, in her 70s, starts painting really because she doesn't want to waste time. She wants to keep busy. Her husband has died. And she wants to to do something with her life and to have a purpose. 
to not just sort of sit around and worry about things from the past, but to, to sort of put yourself into a new space and find a purpose, whatever it is. And for her, she had really good luck that somebody saw her paintings in a drugstore um, in Hoosick Falls, New York, and took them to Manhattan, and a dealer began promoting her work. And when she was 80, she had her first art show. So um, I think there's a lot of um, reassurance in the stories in Spark that people show this ability to continue to grow and to succeed late in life. Well, I think that's that's really an interesting fact, you know, for me, and I'm sure it is for so many people, because, you know, we have this notion of middle age and from here, you know, the best is behind us. But as you're showing, we have so much time to achieve our passions and the things that we wanted to do. But if you wanted to start at a young age, what are some of the things that you believe parents can do to encourage and release greatness in our children? Well, I think parents, um, you know, should be on the lookout for whether their children have really early interests that they think are, you know, something that the the child really loves to do. So whether it's um, digging in the dirt and thinking, excuse me, about archaeology or something like that, or or playing an instrument, they get hooked on it early. And, you know, children tend to have pretty quick attention spans. They move quickly through different games and activities. But if a child tends to sit with something, um, think about maybe nurturing it in some way. So maybe start thinking about music lessons, or if the child seems to be interested in worms and nature, um, take them to a park and sign them up for courses so that those interests can be nurtured. They can't figure that out for themselves. You need to step in and and help guide them. Um, I think another really important lesson on the flip side, though, is don't um, don't make them do one thing only. Because when I think about the people I researched in Spark, uh, especially somebody, for example, like Yo-Yo Ma talks about how important it was that he, yes, he started music very early on, but when he went to college, he wanted to, to go not to a music school, but to he went to Harvard where he really met all sorts of new people with all sorts of new interests. And I think that is a big, important thing for parents not to pigeonhole their children, because if they do one subject too much, um, it may be that they don't develop really adequate social skills. They can't navigate um, the world as easily. They don't know what else is out there. So I think it's a balancing act. The book is Spark, How Genius Ignites from Child Prodigies to Late Bloomers. If you'd like to get more information about Claudia and her work, you can visit ClaudiaKalb.com. That's K-A-L-B. Claudia, in our final moments, what's the takeaway? What would you like to leave our listeners with? I think that the takeaway is, very simply put, there's no expiration date. I think if you read the, the lives of these people in Spark, you'll see that even the people who are prodigies continue to develop and grow. And I kind of think about, um, when you think about a, 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 ch- a chart going up, often we think of the, the midpoint in life, and then everything starts going down. And I think people should envision that that line just keeps going up, that they're, you know, it, it, if you have the resources and the abilities and, and good health, then you can really um, continue to grow. So, so don't, don't give yourself a timeline that ends. Don't put your expiration stamp on your life. Um, give yourself the, the, the opportunity to continue to to develop and and, um, and grow as you get older. Claudia, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us. I hope you found the show informative. At Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life, we believe that knowledge is power. Take what you've learned, apply it, and live your best life now. 
Remember that the information provided is the opinion of our guest and should never replace the advice of a professional who knows your personal situation. If you'd like more information, visit our website, cyacyl.com. That stands for Change Your Attitude, Change Your Life. While on our site, listen to past shows on demand, read the digital magazine, sign up for our mailing list, and be sure to follow the show on social media. Until next time, this is Joan Herman. Thanks for tuning in.